Good, good, good. Whoa, hey, hey, hey. I get loud on occasion, but we're not going to start at that volume. I got to leave someplace to go. It is, man, good crowd. Good to see everybody this morning. Happy New Year and uh, excited about 2020. And um, I believe that this is uh, a significant year in uh, the life of this church, in my life personally. And I hope that you are reaching out for what God has for you this year. And uh, we're going to be spending this whole month talking about that. Wanted to do a little intro. Who saw the Facebook uh, post I did a couple days ago? Went flying around the church. I'm not looking for that, but if you saw, just raise your hand. Okay, I want to catch everybody up. So uh, I'm going to invite two of the prettiest ladies on the planet right here. Nicole and Danielle, would you come on up? Come on. Love these ladies, love these ladies. And so uh, if you don't know, this is my better half. And, uh, and, and my favorite person on the planet. And then uh, usually her favorite person on the planet is this lady, uh, Nicole. So uh, they've been best friends, we'll get into that. Um, we're gonna start to tell a little bit of, uh, really appreciate uh, Nicole and her whole, most of her family uh, is here today. Uh, but we're gonna get into her story. And, and um, when you're going through big things in life, uh, sometimes uh, you keep things close to your vest and uh, sometimes God wants a whole lot of people to know and in this case uh, we felt led and she felt led uh, to to share her story and so uh, she's been uh, sick as long as I've known her and I don't think it's Danielle like I uh, I think there is a common denominator maybe over the years but uh, it, it's actually deeper than that and um, uh, she married a Michigan State fan which didn't help um, but uh, anyways you know me I like to make jokes but um, Nicole needs uh, so she needs some health miracles uh, this year, and, um, and, and we're going to ask her a little bit about this, but we're proceeding with a liver transplant uh, in the next uh, few weeks to month, and so um, that's, I got roped into this uh, because uh, they made me. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, early on in this, uh, when uh, we discovered that a liver would make a difference in her life, your liver is your filter for like your blood and everything, and so... Uh, this is hopefully the first of many dominoes to fall uh, in the name of Jesus for health in her body. And, and, um, and so early on when it was like uh, we need to find somebody uh, that can give her a, uh, a piece of their liver, and it was, it was without, I usually, you know, kind of like somebody offering me ice cream. I was like, yeah, I'll check. And uh, like, I'm in. And um, I just felt positive about it, and, and um, I'll share a little bit more about that. But I wanted to open up with uh, just a couple little questions so we can get to know you a little better. If you don't know, if you've been in, at this church for less than a year, then you don't know that Nicole was our last kids pastor, which she did a great job. And, uh, and so your kids, uh, if your kids have been here longer than a year, they love Miss Nicole. And, and, um, and uh, the reason why she had to step down was because of her health. And so uh, her doctor is like, you have to reserve your strength. And even many of the Sundays she was here, she was, uh, not in, uh, she was in physical pain and pushing through uh, out of the love for your kids and for teaching uh, Jesus to them. So I appreciate that personally. But uh, Nicole, let me get you guys this one right here. You do have to hold it somewhere near your face uh, or, or everybody will strain in. And so, uh, Nicole, if you could just give us um, uh, just a picture of, of just what you just levels of sickness throughout like your life and kind of what's gotten you what's 
kind of gotten you here today, yeah. Okay. So, oh gosh. Yeah, okay. Um, He'll adjust it too. Just hold, just hold I've been still. sick kind of off and on since I was seven, I would say. And until about the age of 23, they had, um, said it was a blood disease. They just didn't know what it was. Um, my counts were never right. And then my hematologist um, had found these two lumps on my stomach and ordered a, a CAT scan, and we found out it was the liver. Had a biopsy and found out it was congenital hepatic fibrosis. And for a long time, I, I lived really without a whole lot of complications. But every once in a while, I'd go in with, um, I don't even know how to say cholangitis, I think is how you say it. Um, it's just kind of a bacterial infection. And since, I'd say, the past five years, it's been getting worse to the point where I'm becoming septic. Um, and then this past March, I got real um, bad. And um, after the follow-up with my physician, he said, you know, your body can't, it can't handle this anymore. You got about five to ten years if we don't do this transplant. So I still didn't want to do the transplant. It had always kind of been, I actually had been on the list, but they told me, it'd be, you know, it'd be a long, long time, I'd be fine, and then I kind of came off the list because I got, you know, scared, and, and then, um, I don't even know. So <laughs> after this past time, though, you know, I, I came over to Danielle, and, I, and everybody that I kind of um, feel like I can go to for advice, my sisters and Danielle, and I was kind of explained, you know, what the doctor had said, and we decided this was it was time, so um, that's what led me to the biopsy, or the transplant. And really, the, the miracle of, of discovering the, the liver being like the main culprit was a miracle in itself, because she'd basically been in a hold of, of what's causing this, you know, the, this, the blood to stay toxic. And so with, with, with basically finding a place to start, and uh, that's through the Cleveland Clinic's just been amazing. And, yes. And um, I've been... This is my first experience basically with them, and I've just been thoroughly impressed with the process. All right, so talk a little bit about, let's, let's do something a little bit funner than that. How, talk, funner, more funner. More and, funner. Uh, so, yeah, my, my resolution for this year is better grammar. Gooder grammar. How about that? Uh, tell us about your friendship. How long have you guys been friends? 38 years. Yeah, 38 years. We met in kindergarten. <laughs> And they're pretty much inseparable. And if you want to see absolutely uh, crazy things, get the two of them on, in the back seat on a long car trip. Uh, they will do amazing things to entertain themselves and to annoy their poor husbands who are trying to pay attention to the road. But um, they, uh, they have always encouraged each other through different things. And uh, uh, Danielle, um, would, what would it be like, or what's it been like on this journey for you on the... Uh, so close, but still on the outside looking in. It's been difficult. Um, a little higher. Okay. It's been difficult um, just watching her be sick and not being able to do anything. Just like if one of your kids were sick or something or your sibling, not being able to do anything was really hard and just having to give that back to God over and over again. So. Yeah. I think that's one of the more difficult things is I don't like being sick, but it's much harder to watch somebody I care about uh, struggle with something. And um, to be in that position, I'm a fixer. So it's like I just want to get in and start 
um, you know, doing something about it. But this is one of those things where, uh, God, you, you have to move, you know, and, and to, to turn over somebody that you care about and trust God. Um, do you remember, Danielle, asking Nicole about how her and God were doing a while back? Yeah, I don't remember how long ago it was, but we met at Cracker Barrel. We were eating at Cracker Barrel or something, and I remember asking you just how, how you were doing with God or something to that effect, and you're like, we're not good. And I walked away, and I kept thinking, I can't blame her, you know, and that, that's just the realness of me coming out. That's how do you blame somebody for feeling the way they do and, and just not wanting to have that relationship? I get it. I think we get to places um, in our own path, and then especially when we watch somebody else, and you're like, God, uh, we need a breakthrough. We needed one like we could have used it yesterday. We actually could have used it the day before or, or five years ago. And, and we all get to these places on, God, I'm not seeing you move. And, 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 and you, begin to, you begin to doubt his goodness. You begin to doubt your relationship with him. Uh, sometimes we, we tend to put try to find blame for it, and um, uh, maybe I'm not trusting enough, maybe this is something to, you know, to, maybe this is some sort of punishment, and, and our minds can go a thousand directions, and I think it's so important that we keep good people around uh, that will encourage us to, to keep pressing through and to keep telling uh, to God. Um, well, Danielle, I'm going to put you on the spot here to close this time, then. What would you, how would you encourage somebody who's having trouble trusting God? with something like this? Um, I'd say to look around you. Um, we're all miracles, and yeah. God is doing miracles every day. I mean, we, on a side note, my mom's best friend was just healed of cancer, and she put that somewhere in Adam's news feed. So if you're yeah. on Facebook, you can read that. She was diagnosed with cancer. And, I mean, I look at my husband, and I know God's real. So it, you have to, faith what is about. What do you mean by that? <laughs> People in general, let me rephrase this, <laughs> life in general is a miracle. And yes. the older you get, I think the more you appreciate that. But I would just say that look around, look back to what God has already done for you in your life. Yes. Um, I always take notes, and I will put dates down in my Bible. Take notes, and, and when you get to that place, you can look back and say, oh, I forgot he did this, he did this. And we need to, we need to tell people those things. It's very important. We'll finish with you, Nicole. What, is, what do you want people to know about uh, what, what can they do at this point with knowing your story? Or just um, what, did you want them to, what do you want them to hear from you today? Just any, any final thoughts? Um, I like to be on this phone. I know. I'm not much of a public speaker. Um, just to, to trust and in um, God and that, um, like you were saying um, earlier, um, I always, when I'm doubting things, I, I, I look around and, I, and, I, and I'm watching him work. And it's, when I told you that I wasn't good, it wasn't because I was angry or because I wasn't trusting in him. It was more, I, you know, I struggle with the unworthiness. And I, and I felt like I wasn't worthy of him taking care of me. I, I'm, 
I'm going to have to handle this one on my own because I'm not worthy of that. And I am. And I think that it's important to remember that and, yeah. um, and just always believe that he, he's always there. You know, just like we love our children, he loves us. It's, it's just something that I, it's a, it's, it's a feeling that I've always, always had. And as much as I try to run from it, he's never let go. I mean, it's always there. So I appreciate you sharing that. I think a lot of I think a lot of people deal with that unworthiness and I, I think that's a um, that's a real place. Uh, can can we thank these ladies for being up here this morning? Yeah. You can't read it too well, but my the shirt is a gift from Nicole this morning. It says I am an organ donor because who wouldn't want a piece of this? And uh, so, <laughs> as you can see, humor runs strong in our, fa in our uh, family circles. Um, this is big, and, and, uh, and I appreciated the response online and things like that. And, and uh, I, I was like, I, I really get uncomfortable. Um, I, I, you pretty much can't do this and, and, like, mind attention to, like, a certain extent. And you might even have to disgustingly enjoy it for a certain bit. But... Like, I, that's not the purpose of, of, what we, of why we're posting things. And, and so as we were approaching this, this is something that, that we've been talking about for a long time. And then it was, well, how do we do this if this becomes real? And so I can't just disappear from you guys for a few weeks. And, uh, and so it was like we really had to, to look at two options of, of either trying to keep it private or taking the church along on the journey with this. And uh, that was Nicole's choice, by the way. And so this is, this is her life. And, and uh, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm just doing what God wants me to do. But we, she's the one that needs the miracle. And, uh, and, and, and we're just hoping that this is the first step. So I want to take you guys on this journey with us. What, how does this affect the church? Um, first of all, uh, because God is so good and he writes the script, I believe that the church is at a place where we can do this together. And so um, we're just six years old as a church, and um, it's just been in this last year where uh, – when you plan a church with Pastor Conan, uh, they, they draw up this grid and all the different responsibilities. And it's like, he goes, you put your name in each of those squares, and then those are all the jobs that you've got to give away. And, and if you want the church to grow, because there are churches where the pastor and pastor's wife and family, they do everything, but those churches actually can't grow. They might feel cozy and whatever else, but they're, uh, they're, they, they can't, they're not multiplying leadership. And, and so for the first five years, and, and even still, you try to give something away, and it comes right back like a boomerang. You try to give away jobs, and they come uh, back, and, and uh, people move on to different things. And and it's been this last year that, that God has really surrounded me with an incredible team in this place. And so um, you just met my wife, if you haven't met her yet. And then uh, Dave Tedford, uh, the three of us run the executive part of our church. And so uh, those two stepped up big in this last year, and uh, they helped me run the church. And so um, we're going to lean on Dave, especially during that time, and I really appreciate him. And then beyond that, we have directors over our different departments. And so we have Chrissy over for communications, and I'm bad about rattling them all off. And so Jalen with security. Um, we've got two great worship leaders that really run the bulk of our time up here. 
And uh, we've got Pastor Laura downstairs, and we've got Joelle out in First Impressions, and I know uh, there's some other people that take care of some main things. And so we're at a place where the church, um, we're running effectively uh, with, with a team of people, but I still want to give you a, a picture of what this looks like. Um, Jason and April Romine, are, they lead our pastoral care side, so we have like the business side of the church, how we run things, set up services, but just as, I mean, if we're not doing ministry, then not interested. And so Jason and April have come alongside of, of me to help oversee the pastoral care. And so they, they schedule the prayer teams. They're getting ready to do more training. Pastor Scott is uh, one of our mentors. Thank goodness for Pastor Scott. And so um, during this time, I'm going to have some downtime anywhere up to uh, from three, three weeks where I'll be up. I have to stay up in Cleveland to stay close by the clinic. And then uh, up to about 12 weeks before I have really, I'll be pretty much exhausted is what they're telling me. My liver will regrow in three to six months, which is just awesome. And then the piece that I give Nicole will grow completely to the size that she needs in three to six months. So pretty cool. But when your body is doing that, you like, they said, you're just going to feel like, like every day is a, a like a big day, like you're just going to be wiped out. And so I'm going to be leaning on that team. And so it's important that you guys know that the care is, is there. And, and so I've got people that are going to be taking care of me and Danielle. And, um, and then, uh, but with the church, uh, if you have needs on the, um, anything on the business end would be to go through Dave. And then on the uh, ministry side, if you know you're going in the hospital, you know of somebody who's sick, Get a hold of Jason and April. We're not going to miss a beat on this stuff. And it's so important that the pastor is not the hub of a church. That is not an effective way to do ministry. It's not an effective way to grow. It's not an effective way to train and release other leaders. And so this is actually, I believe, a, a catalyst of sorts for our church if we will press into this as a body. Um, this will uh, we'll have uh, unheard of, like four guest speakers in a row. And so I am going to challenge this church. I don't know when this date comes. So that's going to be something we put online as soon as we get it. And, um, but when this happens, when we have to go up there, I'm going to schedule four speakers. Now, we usually don't advertise guest speakers because guess what people do? Guess what you all do if you know somebody else is preaching? You don't come, you bunch of babies. Because guess what? If you think I've got the market on hearing God and communicating his word, you're goofy. And, and if you've heard some of our guest speakers over the last uh, time you've been with us, I'm not going to mess around with who comes up here. And if you all miss Pastor Laura's first time preaching here, she's going to hold it against you forever. And so uh, I'm expecting the church to move and to grow without me being visible. Can we do that as a church? I'm asking you, can we do that as a church? Okay. This is so healthy for us, it's ridiculous, because that means you're coming to hear the Word of God, not a person. Do you understand that? And so when we get attached to the person behind the Word, that is dangerous, because God has gone to an awful lot of trouble, just as Pastor Scott shared, for you to have a personal connection with Him. It is our responsibility, it is our privilege to be able to worship anytime, any place, no matter who's leading. It's our privilege, our responsibility, our honor that we can grow in the word no matter who's teaching, okay? And so, and it is good to hear other perspectives because uh, people 
get different things than I will get. And so I just wanted you to know what this is going to look like, and this information is all going to be kept up uh, through uh, Chris. He'll keep it going through the church communication. But I am um, committed to, to communicating about this through our Facebook page and then through, uh, through Nicole's as well. Um, how can you guys help? Well, I just said one of the things. It's, it's that this thing doesn't, we don't take our foot off the gas. That is, that is mission critical. And I believe God will honor us for moving forward in this and, um, and for every person to carry their, their role as we move forward. Other ways that you can help is um, uh, the insurance is great that's involved. All of my medical care is, I'm zero on anything medical. Um, uh, now, Nicole is not, just like we all have insurance and personal deductibles and those kind of things. She's going to max out, if you didn't guess. And, uh, and so, so there's cost on their end. And then when it comes to traveling and dealing with the Cleveland Clinic, you have to stay up there after your surgery. So I'm going to be in like a hotel for two weeks after I'm out of the hospital. She'll be doing something similar, the traveling back and forth for appointments and things like that. She's already been able to set up a nonprofit kind of a GoFundMe kind of thing. And it's already over $1,500, which is just awesome. Um, we need that thing to keep going uh, so, that, so that this miracle, this, this time of, of, of her life uh, pushing through uh, for health, that, there, that, that those aren't things that there are a hindrance. Is that something like uh, this needs to be something that we share and that as God leads you that we give. And then as far as Danielle and I, we will have out-of-cost things that, that uh, some things will be out-of-pocket expenses. Uh, some things will be able to come back, but, but we're just trusting God to meet our needs as we move forward with that. And so uh, you, you guys know me if you've been here at all. We don't beg for money. We don't manipulate. We simply present the need when there is an extra need, and then we trust God's people to be obedient to what he leads them to. Is that okay? And then uh, most importantly, which is not cliche, is that we pray. Um, this, is, this, is a, this is a life uh, moment for uh, Nicole and her family. This is an answer to prayer that I'm, I'm glad to be a part of, but like this, the layer of miracles that she needs is significant. And so we need to be a people of prayer at this time. Um, I should be able to do my end laparoscopically. It's, 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 I, this is, I am, I appreciate the prayers, but she's the one that needs the miracle. I can't say that enough. And so I'm asking this church to commit to putting us uh, in your phone, in your notes, or something like that, to be praying for this situation. And then, uh, again, to support the church. And so I wanted us to share this uh, story at the beginning of this year, mostly because I, 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 we realized that the best way to do this was to be transparent and to fully include the church on the journey. The other thing is, is that I felt like God has given me a word for the beginning of this year, and it's not this year, Satan. Now, I think that is one of the best series titles like God has ever given me. I'm so excited about it because those shirts are ornery, like not today, Satan. My sister wears one. I think it's hilarious. And, and obviously the premise is that we're, we want to win, and there's victories that we're all looking forward to, and the beginning of the year is often a time where we do the uh, we do the looking back and we do the looking forward and we say these are the goals or these are the victories that I'm looking for this year, whether it's health or wealth or, or um, increase in 
an authority at work or something with your kids or, or who knows what. There's things that are on your mind. And if it's up to you, you'd say, this is the year that I want to see breakthrough in this. And so the question we're going to open up with is, what is the victory that you want to see in 2020? And I want to go to Matthew 16, 21 through 23. Is it okay if I still preach a little bit? All right, good. Because too bad. It's coming. All right, Matthew 16, 21 through 23. It says, from then on, Jesus began to tell his disciples plainly that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem and that he would suffer many terrible things at the hands of the elders, the leading priests, and the teachers of religious law. He would be killed, but on the third day, he would be raised from the dead. But Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him for saying such things. Heaven forbid, Lord, he said, this will never happen to you. Jesus turned to Peter and said, Get away from me, Satan. You are a dangerous trap for me. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. Not this year, Satan. Not today, devil. We're, and I'm careful as a preacher to, you know, I've been around teachings and things like that where, you know, you're blaming, the, you're blaming the devil for a rainy day or your team losing a terrible loss to Clemson or, or like, you know, like, like you, you, you can't just blame the devil for everything. I, I, I think to an extent we're, there's some truth that we're in a fallen world and so there's sin, but like we don't know all of the consequences. Our rainy day is the rain a farmer needs. It's like, you know, so it's like not all of the things that, that bum us out uh, are, are really something that the cosmic, you know, entities are really uh, dueling over in our lives. Like it's, and so I'm careful to not just be like, you know, um, just, just maybe spiritually obnoxious might be the word for it. Just like it's like hyper, hyperly, you know, evaluating everything. I'm not, I'm not there, but at the same time, the Bible says that the devil seeks to kill and destroy us. And so just as, as our church exists to welcome people home to the goodness of God, his love for you, his family that he has called the church, and the plan that he has for you, that plan is only life-giving, by the way. Now, Satan does have an opposite plan for you, and that's to destroy you. And, and if he really gets his way, it's, it's so you can take people down with you. And, and, and if he can't destroy you, he will be satisfied with distracting you. And so I do believe that there is a, a, a spiritual battle. The Bible says that we don't wage a war against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities. And, and, and it, those of us that trust Jesus with our lives, like we just need to worry about hearing his voice and doing what he says to do. Like I, I don't believe like we need to be, you know, ooh, the devil's over there. Like we just I want to know where Jesus is and I'm walking with him. Like that's that's like my concern. And and but we have this if we forget that there is a force working against God by working against us. Like he hates God. And so if he can affect the people that he loves, then it is then it is uh, it's terrorism like when he messes with us and so um, so we have to uh, pay attention to that verse 21 it says this is necessary 
he tells the disciples plainly that it was necessary. That he would basically go through the things that he was getting ready to do on Easter week. Necessary. God has a plan. I, I don't understand it. I don't understand uh, the troubles and sometimes the inconveniences of life and some of the things that, that come my way. But if I believe that God has a plan and if I'm listening for His voice, then that should bring a peace into me that even if I'm facing adversity, that I can say, God has this. This is a necessary part of the plan. And, and so uh, verse 22 uh, Peter says these words, he says, heaven forbid. Do you know who you're talking to? You're talking to the guy. Like, uh, this is the guy who sits on the throne in heaven. Like, you don't get to say what heaven forbids to the Son of God who is saying what is getting ready to happen. And so this heaven forbid... Here's a phrase for us today. We love to adapt God to our plans and call it His will. I'm going to say that again. We love to adapt God to our plans and call it His will. Peter is basically saying there is no way that heaven would want you to suffer. Why? Because it doesn't fit... Peter's understanding of what Jesus was there to do. And how could Jesus' suffering and dying be a part of the plan? And so when we don't understand something, then we've got to make God's Word, we have to bend His truth to fit our situation, and then we pat ourselves on the back and we say, right in stride with you, Lord. Peter felt good about what he said. He wasn't saying it to be rebellious. He wasn't saying it to be rude. He obviously loved the Lord. I believe that, I mean, this was, he did not have any ill intent by this. And so often we do the same thing of, God, that just, oh, I, I don't think I can do what you're asking. That doesn't really fit me. And so what I'm going to do is take what I think I can do, and, and I'm going to make that honor you. And there's another word in the Bible where it says that obedience is better than sacrifice. Like, God has given us a path. He's given us things to do. And any time we steer His best, we are settling for less. I'm not saying that we're necessarily risking salvation or, or, or necessarily even damaging other people. What I do think that we are doing is that we are restricting what God can do in us and through us when we take something and we water it down or we try to bend it because anything less than God's word is is going to be less than the best that he wants it to produce in our lives does that make sense and so we have Peter saying that heaven forbid and Jesus responds with this classic line and like you really as a practice shouldn't call people Satan like I you know Maybe Jim Carrey or, you know, in a movie, that works, and, and there's your pop culture reference for the day. Uh, but, like, calling people Satan isn't something that you learn, like, in pastor etiquette, like, 101. Like, you know, if you really want to make a point, you know, 
get away from me, Satan. Like, uh, that's not really, like, that's not polished. Like, we would frown upon such things. And yet Jesus, the Son of God, looks at the person who he, he was going to help use to build his church, and he looks him square. I mean, immediate response, and he says, get away from me, or some translations say, get behind me, Satan. This is crazy. couple thoughts on this. We can easily speak the words of hell instead of heaven. It happens easily. Why? Because we're not sadists. Like we, our, our motivation is, is genuine, generally good. Like, I don't want somebody to suffer. But if I give someone bad counsel that, you know, God wouldn't want you to have a difficult time. Ah. We've got a whole lot of people thinking that, that my happiness is a determinant level of, 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 of how God is in my life. And if I'm not happy, then something's not right. And, and if things aren't all roses and, and it's not 75 degrees and sunny and, and, and my kids, you know, stand up and salute me in the morning and what would you like me to do, Father? And, and uh, I've already taken out the dog and I've already brought the trash can in and how do you want your eggs cooked? Like, that's... If I wait, like that's not the determining factor of, of the goodness of God in my life. And so, so often we can easily speak the words of hell instead of heaven of when somebody's going through something like this. And I am sure that Nicole has had plenty of stupid things told to her by well-meaning Christians. Right? Same with you when some, maybe a loved one has passed or something else and, and somebody goes you know, puts on the cheesest grin and says, golly, brother, you, you know, you're, you're building up treasures in heaven or, or Jesus loves the, you know, and, and we just offer these token piles of garbage to people who are going, am I speaking too strongly? Like, tell me how I really feel. Um, sometimes it's okay to just say, this is a battle. This is terrible. I am sorry that you are going through with this. I do want to pray with you. I do want to walk alongside you. And however I can help carry your burden in this and encourage you to keep trusting the living God that I still believe that loves you. These are things that we can offer people. But if we offer something that might be um, just untrue, then we are, we're not helping them. And, and, and Jesus calls him out. And, and the other side of this is that we can be like that. We can uh, know immediately if somebody is giving to us godly counsel or man's counsel. Because if we are walking closely with God, just as Pastor Scott said, that relationship is, that door is up to us to open and to keep open and to spend time with Him. When we are developed in that relationship, we can hear something from even the most well-meaning of people and we can say, that's not from you, Lord. And even if the Lord leads you, say, no, I really believe that this is okay, what's going on in my life. I'm not happy about it, but, I, but God is going to do something with it. And, and I think that's okay to push back on another Christian, not meanly, but, but to say, I, I think this is God's got something bigger at stake. And even some of the testimonies that were popping up on the Facebook feed were, 
were just these miracles that were pieced in with something that happened in somebody else's life. And, and we don't know that when the storms of our life are going to be, become a blessing to somebody else. And so, and that takes bravery on our part and like Nicole's part to share literally probably the most vulnerable year of her life with us and, 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 and people on social media. And, and, and to, to put a, a stake in the ground and say, not this year, Satan, I'm looking for a miracle and I'm trusting God for it. And, and I want to share what God is doing in my life. It finishes in verse 33. It says, because of our human point of view. Well, guess what we all have? A human point of view. That is our default. And we have to spend time with the Lord. We have to listen for His voice if we are going to have His view. We are going to always default to our basic programming, right? I don't want to be hurt. I don't want to see the people I love get hurt. I want to be happy. I want to see the people in my life happy. I want to experience good things. I want you said like these are this is our natural functions and and unguided and and un um, unled basically we will just automatically pursue those things. And if you spend your life pursuing happiness, that's your default, and that's what humans do. If you haven't noticed, and and when you lose sight of God. That's what you fall back on as well. Because of our human point of view, we have to be careful. So what is the victory God wants you to experience in 2020? This is just setting the stage for the next three or four weeks of messages. Basically, I'm going to preach on this, hopefully all the way until uh, go time on this, um, on this surgery up in Cleveland. This transplant is all about choosing faith instead of fear there's risks involved with anything like this and anytime you come into a corner there's a risk in trusting God with the next step and I'm humbled to watch Nicole and her family do that but can I tell you that even in our role in this that there was a weekend that fear showed up. And I'm not stupid. I'm concerned about some of the things that are going to happen to me. I'm concerned about some of the things that are going to happen to her. And, and just sitting still for three weeks just sounds like hell to me. I just I don't know how to do that. But early on in this, I told God, I said, I really felt like you, you want me to do this. And I'm going, to go, I'm going to go down this path until you tell me to do otherwise. And we had, Danielle felt the exact same way. We're in 100% agreement on this. Because if Nicole was the only one having surgery that day, I would be with her. If I was the only one having surgery that day, Nicole would be with her. Do you see that? Like, this is a big deal for us, in our, even in our little part of this. And we were getting ready to schedule our, our the testing week. I had to go up for three days to Cleveland Clinic, and they poked every part of me and whatever else. But all of a sudden, we felt, I felt fear move into our house. And it's good to do research. It's good to go to 
MD.com and you know what is you know what are the potential risks and and you should be educated on things like that but all of a sudden we watched fear invade our home and Danielle and I came to a place together where we said we're not going to make a decision out of fear and I said I don't think God's word changed to us in this situation she said it didn't I said then we're moving forward I said if God closes this door then we're done. And we had a pretty, like, you meet with a lot of doctors and he's testing and it's like, if, like, I'm not young, I'm a little chubby, like, you gotta be careful, you know, you can't just go around letting people cut you up for no reason. Like, you gotta think about this. I said, these doctors need to tell me that I'm, that this is, that I'm a good candidate. Like, it needs to be a smart, you know, it's risky, but it needs to be the right thing. And we went through that weekend for those three days. First of all, I don't think I've ever been treated better in a medical facility. I've never had people spend more time with me with questions. But it was wave after wave of peace. And I'll tell you this, that we got back, you get, I, I will brag about this. They took 35 vials of blood, which is just nasty. And so I'm just like, they're just pumping this stuff out. And so I start getting all these test results. And they flag you for different things if you're too high on something or whatever else. And so, um, and I found out that my cholesterol was high and, and I was genuinely disappointed. I said, that's it. Like at any point in these three days, you can get black flagged and you're done. They're not gonna waste any more money testing you. It's thank you for trying, bye-bye. But what stuck out to me in that moment was is that I was disappointed and I thought it was over. And I looked at Danielle, I said, I was pretty sure that I felt like I needed to about this, but now I know. And I, I, I wanna do this. Friends, God moves and he's waiting for us to put a line in the sand and if you need a miracle, I know of multiple people in this church that needs a miracle. I know of people facing Crohn's. I know of people facing uh, arthritis. I know of people facing heart issues. I know of people facing kidney issues. I know about all these things. And so God says in 2 Timothy, he says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. And in 1 John 5, 4, it says, for every child of God defeats this evil world, and we achieve this victory through our faith. Well, how do you, how do you make faith happen? You can't just conjure it up. How do we activate faith? It's one word and we don't like it. It's obedience. Because he has stuff for us to do. He has a plan for us. He has, he has a best for us. And when we obey him, we are flexing our faith muscles. Because so often obedience is going to come right in the face of what is comfortable for us. Does that make sense? And so if you want to grow in faith in this year, if you want to sell, tell Satan to back off of the miracle you need, if you want to step forward in faith, what has God already asked you to do? Can we pray this morning?
We love to pray for victory without obedience. This time of year, we like to pray for a healthier body without doing the work. We like to pray for better finances without going through the pain of getting out of debt or trusting God with our tithes and our offerings. Victory begins. It's possible because of Christ, but we walk into it when we begin to obey Him. What is God asking you to do this year? If you've never trusted Jesus with your life, if you've never trusted Jesus to lead you, if you've never asked him to forgive you of your sin, is today the day? Would you raise your hand? I want to pray with you. Say, not this year. I see those hands. I love those hands. I love seeing people go closer to God every week. I love seeing people moving forward and say, I'm going to get closer to God. I want God to lead me. A simple prayer goes like this. Father God, I thank you for loving me. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I thank you for forgiving me. That happens instantaneously. God, I thank you for loving me. Help me to hear your voice. I choose to follow you and love you. Amen. Maybe this year you need a miracle. We're going to have people up front that are ready to pray with you. Maybe there's somebody you know and trust that's just in the seat next to you or nearby, or there's a friend you want to grab and have pray with you. Could this be the year? Could this be the year? I'm so impressed when people take stands of faith. I just, and I believe it moves the heart of God. Father God, some of us in this room need some pretty big mountains moved this year. God, I speak your healing in Jesus' name. God, I pray that we would begin to see miracles. God, I pray that doctors would begin to be amazed at secondary reports and and evaluations. God, I thank you that you would be lifted up in this place. God, I thank you that we would trust you above all else. God, we lift up the Woolard family this morning. God, we thank you for Nicole's life. God, we thank you that you are not done with it yet, God. God, we thank you for the doctors that you've led her to. God, we thank you for the procedures that are going to add years and years to her life. But God, we trust you above all things, above all men, above all hospitals and and medicines involved. God, we thank you that you are the source of our lives. God, I thank you for this church. God, I thank you that 2020 would be a year of, of explosive growth, not numerically necessarily, God, but one of faith. God, that we would begin to rise up, that each of us would begin to put lines in the sand and say, not this year, Satan. I'm taking ground back. I'm not giving up anymore. We thank you, Jesus, for how much you love us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Can we stand and close with a song this morning? We will have people up front that would be just absolutely thrilled if they could pray with you about something. There is nothing too small. Uh, there is nothing too big that concerns the heart that that would overwhelm the heart of God this morning. It's so important that you know that you're not walking through life alone. Amen.